Hello and welcome to the year-end edition of The Vinyl Crawl. I'm your host, Alan Miller. Uh, this this episode is going to be uh, Matt and myself talking about some of our favorite beers that we've had this year and on the podcast, as well as our favorite albums of 2016, like most podcasts you're listening to are probably doing right now. Um, but I wanted to take a, a quick minute and talk about one of our sponsors, Bull Moose. Uh, you've heard me talk about them other times throughout the season, but they are a excellent online and brick-and-mortar record CD video shop that sells just about every record you're looking for as far as new releases and reissues. Uh, one that I want to point out that they have in stock right now that I think should be on everybody's year-end list is the Kate Bush 4LP release, Before the Dawn. It's a it's a massive release that captures her 2014, I believe, tour of the UK. Um, and like I said, it's on four records. It's in like library binding. So there's a big, big cardboard box and not binding, I guess, but it's in like library storage. So there's like a giant cardboard box and all the four records are in their own little... I mean, it's like an old, their own little single LP sleeves that go in there, and it's it's a really nice release. has a giant booklet with it. It's $56 for four records. I think that's a, a pretty great price on it. And, you know, there's some of her hits on there, like Hounds of Love and Running Up That Hill, but there's also some of her later stuff that, that people don't, you know, listen to as much anymore, like the stuff off Aerial and things like that. It's all great. It, it The sound quality is phenomenal. The performance is great. Um I, I can't recommend it enough. It, it got my top five list of 2016. It was that good. So like I was saying, grab that record on bullmoose.com. That's B-U-L-L-M-O-O-S-E.com. Or you can check them out on Twitter. It's at bullmoose. To any Welcome to the Vinyl Crawl, your bi-weekly or sometimes maybe every three weeks podcast about beer and vinyl. I'm your host, Alan Miller, joined as usual by Matt Pfefferkorn. Hello. Hey there, Matt. Hello. So since it's the end of the year, we're yeah. talking about our favorite beers and favorite albums, and then I might sneak in like a Christmas album review in there too. Yeah. We have to, don't we? Have to. But let's start with the beer we're drinking tonight. Yes. It's a big one. I'll it let is you talk a big about one. it. It's uh, by Evil Twin Brewing, Michigan Maple Jesus. Now, how many of these Jesus <laughs> beers have we done so There's far? There's been um, three or four, maybe? Yeah. What was the Even More Jesus? We've done Even More Jesus. We've done, um, wasn't there like an Even, was there, there was a, there's another one too. There were two Jesus yeah. beers that we did. Evil Twin, like, they like to do these even better than, even right. bigger than, like, Jesus beers. And they yeah. usually always have either a little chocolate or peanut butter or some sort of some sort of little mixture of things in there. This has got... 
a lot. <laughs> yeah, it, I think it was um, it was the podcast I did with Chris Lantinen, the guy uh-huh. that runs Modern Vinyl. We did the the Jesus one with a cherry on top. Biscotti. No, that was Biscotti. Yeah. I'm sorry. Same same brewery. Yeah, though. I need yeah. to. I have a bottle of that. I haven't had it yet. Yeah, one of our favorite breweries, Evil Twin. Solid, always experimental. Stuff. You never really, you never know exactly what you're going to get, but right. it's always good. Um, so, what what's your thoughts on this one? Do you? This is a stout. It's yeah. a very dark stout. It is black as night. <laughs> Lots of good carbonation. Yeah, um, it's starting to open up a little bit after sitting out, warming up a bit. Yeah, I don't necessarily know if this is a good straight out of the fridge kind of beer. You know, yeah. I feel like it needs a little, let it get a little more right. to room temperature. Yeah. Yep. Which is typical with stouts. They seem to, or with these, at least the craft stouts, maybe not the, you know, Guinness and things like that. We won't go there with all that sort of yeah. thing. But with these craft stouts, they seem to work a little better when they get warmer instead yeah. of being so ice cold. I like to taste it at the beginning and then you have your different levels of warmth, I guess. Yeah. But you got that maple up front. For sure. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Very sweet. Yep. I like it. I like it a lot. At 12%, <laughs> what's not to like? Yeah. If you don't like it now, wait a few minutes. You'll like it You'll even like better. You'll like it then. So to kind of talk about some beers that we've had this year, not necessarily on the podcast, but just in general that we've both enjoyed, uh, like what what's one off the... You know, we both use Untapped to log our beers a lot of times to, yeah. to try to see what, what we like and don't like. So what's one that's that stuck out to you as being a favorite this year that you've tried? Well, um, lately, two beers I've had that are during the uh, the holiday season, the uh, Stone Enjoy By uh, 12, 25, 16, which is their fresh IPA hop series. Yeah that they put out and it's usually centered around holidays. They have one for July 4th and Halloween and, but this enjoy by for Christmas is excellent. The Sierra Nevada celebration ale this year is excellent. One of the beers that I enjoyed that we did a little while back was that, does anybody remember laughter? That that was a highlight for us from single, single cup beers. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, that was a real highlight for the podcast. Yeah, definitely. Um, also, that crop rotation by Old Planters Brewing Company. Right, out of Massachusetts. Yeah, that, that was, was fresh. A, that was a really good one. That was great. And on that, kind of on the same note uh, from from Massachusetts, the I had one from Jack's Abbey which is a Massachusetts brewery called Smoke and Dagger Nitro. When yeah. I was on vacation up there, that was that really dark, smoky one that I sent you the picture right. of from the, yeah. I think we were in Worcester maybe at a uh, at a hamburger joint, and they had these on Nitro, and it was incredible. It was one of the smokiest beers I've ever had, um, but it was, it was awesome. It was like a black lager or something oh, wow. with a lot of smoke infused into it, and it tasted really, it stuck with me. Like yeah. It was one of those that it was really awesome. Um, there was the, there's a Heffy, a really good Heffy I had this year called a Have a Hefeweizen from Narragansett Brewing Company. I think I'm saying that right. Yeah. Out of Massachusetts. Uh, when I was on vacation, it's, um, 
I think that one's got like a little, like some Scrabble letters and stuff on the can. <laughs> and that's why we were at a, a board game cafe where oh, you, yeah. you pay a little that. bit of money and then you play board games for so long. So they had that in the can. So I was like, okay, well, yeah. while we're here. And it had a lot of banana notes to it. So oh, it, was, wow. it was really, really good beer. Um, what's some other ones that that you've had lately? That uh, Remember that Big Luscious uh, from Founders. <laughs> How can I forget I know. Luscious? That one was pretty crazy. Um, the Oracle from Bells this year, the the Double Imperial IPA, that was great. Yeah. Um, the other one I want to pinpoint was when we had just a couple weeks ago at uh, Blue Holler Brewing here in Bowling Green. I had a albino stout. Oh yeah, from Rheingeist right. that in the glass looked like an IPA slash yeah. lager kind of, you know, very light colored, but tasting wise, it was a stout. Yeah, it was a straight was up so stout. Weird. It was the weirdest thing yeah. to look at that beer and then taste it, and it tastes like a dark stout. But I really enjoyed that beer too. That was one of my favorites from Rheingeist. Yeah. Um, I had a couple of good sours this year. The Rheingeist uh, Trips, which was a sour ale, and Avery's uh, Raspberry Sour. Oh, yeah. It was really good. That's cool. Uh, Have you been getting into more sour beer lately? A little bit here and there. I feel like that's going to be our next big, big thing. Like when we, when we finally start to move past IPAs, which I oh. feel like is going to, it's going to happen. Not for me. Right. Not for you. <laughs> but I mean, as a, as a craft beer culture. I think IPAs are finally going to run their course at some point in time, and then there's going to be a next big boom of something. Yeah, the, but the, there's so many different IPAs; it's hard to. Oh man, um, the Waldo's Special, aka Waldo's 420 IPA, <laughs> that I had this year from Lagunitas, triple IPA. Wow. Yeah. That was probably one of the top beers I've had this year. Um, I what, had s- what did you think about the Galactica clown shoes? That was when I brought back. Oh yeah, from Massachusetts. It's a little on the malty side. That was a really malty IPA. It's a little malty, uh, but still good. Um, I had some good stuff in Chicago when I went there. Daisy Cutter and uh, the Anti Hero IPA from Revolution. Yeah, you had those on tap up there, right? Like I did. Yeah. Uh, the KBS was great as usual yeah, I mean, this year. Has there been a bad KBS? Has there ever nope. been a year when it's... Nope. The Hop Slam was great. You know, it, it's a good year for beer. It was a good year for it. And yeah. I feel like we drank a lot of really good beer this year. We did. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so moving on from that, let's talk about some of our favorite albums of the year. Not necessarily ones that we did on the podcast, but just in general, music that we really enjoyed this year. Um, I didn't really rank mine in any kind of fashion. Like, I didn't go through and really sweat out which ones I liked more than the others. The only thing I knew for sure is my number one album of the year was the Field Music album, Common Time. And my number two is probably Black Star, so I probably know my one and two. Right, yeah. Um, Black Star, you know, I haven't listened to it much, though. I listened to it when it first it's came hard. out. It's so tough. It's hard, especially now. Yeah, you know, I was, and I have such, like, 
conflicting memories of it because when it came out, I had you pre-order it for me at the shop. Yeah. So when it first came in, I got my copy nice and fresh, threw it on the turntable. I was working that Sunday, put it on the turntable, put it on. It sounded fantastic. People were coming in all throughout the day, and I was like, you know, they were asking what it was. Yeah. And I was going, it's the new Bowie. Check this out. It's so good. The song's so good and you know, all that. And then he died, like, yeah. the week, the next week. And I think it was he wasn't it on the day it was released well or around there maybe i might have got mine early (laughs) there's that too i might have got it a day or two early but i know i was playing it on sunday while he was still alive yeah and then maybe like monday or tuesday he died it was something like that Hmm. because i remember telling people while i was in there playing it about how great of an album it was and it was before he had passed because i was i remember talking to them i remember specifically talking to them about it's the greatest album he's put out in years he's coming back like it's so great and january 10th is when it was released right which i think was the release no it was released on the 8th he died on that sunday yeah yeah because monday i remember monday morning Everybody yeah. was like, "You got the new Bowie." So it was like that Sunday night or something. Yeah. It, it was, it was just really tough because like I'd spend, we had copies through the weekend. Yeah, and I remember spending the whole Sunday morning at work talking to people about how great it was. But I don't know. It's it's it was just it was one of those things where like everybody I talked to would get excited about it as well, and that made the whole experience that much worse. Was like. You know, some of the older people we have that shop at the store would come in and go, oh, man, it's great. I love hearing the new Bowie album. It sounds yeah. so And it just, you know. That was the beginning of an awful 2016. Fucking awful year. <laughs> one of the one of the worst. And, yeah. And here's the, I don't want to get too dour with it, but here's what sucks is from here on out, every year it's going to kind of suck because a lot of our heroes are going to be dying every True. year. Yeah. I mean, they're all getting... You know, they're all getting up in years. The ones from the, the 60s, 70s that we all enjoy yeah. so much as far as classic rock and things right. like that. So yeah. it's it's going to get tough. We just got to, yeah. you know, soldier through it. And, True. But So Black Star was probably my number two. Field music, Common Time. I'm a, You know, I'm an old school field music fan. I've yeah. liked them for a long time. I don't feel like they get enough cred over here for being as experimental yet poppy as they are and this album is like hall and oats <laughs> funk pop it's it's really concise songwriting uh very danceable while still having lyrics that are great the lyrics deal with you know growing up and having kids now and trying to you know manage having a family and being in a band and yeah. you know Stuff that's not real sexy to sing about necessarily, but it's real life, and that's what makes it relatable. True. Yeah. So, I I think that was a great album just for the fact that it had so many good lyrics as well as like concise, tight songwriting, and every song I loved. There wasn't a song in there I didn't yeah didn't absolutely love. So, I'll keep singing their praises and hopefully it'll <laughs> catch on eventually. Right. <laughs> Tell me what I have to do, but if you need me, 
were saying that your favorite albums of the year. Well, I like the Bowie a lot too. Yeah. I went back and revisited it a little bit. It'd been a while since I'd listened to it, you know, and it kind of suffers from that early, what first 10 days, eight days of the year where you tend to forget about a lot of releases. Very true. That come out. I noticed that there's a lot of people's lists that I thought it would be on. I didn't see it on there, and I think it's got to do with the fatigue of yeah. everything we went through this whole year. Through of, the year, you know, so many losing so many big musicians. Um, but the Bowie album to me is one of his most experimental, yet like strangely accessible by the songwriting style yeah, albums true. he's ever done, which says a lot yeah. for Bowie because he's, you know, he did low. <laughs> So, so it says a lot for this album to be. And he also did Blue Jean. And he also did. That's experimental in the wrong way. In the wrong way, uh, yes. Whereas Low would be the right way, or Station to Station, things like that. Those are all in the right direction. Blue Jean. Hmm. Or what was the Never Let Me Down? Was that the album? Oh, yeah, that was even Man. worse. Poor guy. Yeah. Sorry, Dave. Just just had some trouble yeah. in those years, but that will. I wonder how that will end up in all the year end lists, the major ones. You know, your Rolling Stone and Pitchfork and of Black Star. Yeah. Yeah. I I gotta I wonder. think that most people will mention yeah. it, but I just it sucks that it came out so early in the year because it it's kind of yeah you know it's kind of got fatigued a little bit. Uh, some of the other stuff, um, the PJ Harvey. You know, we talked about that on the podcast. I liked album. it a lot. Yeah. We Heavy did, album. Yeah, we did a podcast. We did, album, yeah. Didn't we? Yeah. That one um that one struck me and, and stayed with me for most of the year. Yeah. I just I thought the songwriting was great, as normally PJ's songwriting yeah. is always great. Yeah. But I thought the experimentalism of that album It was heavy. With you know, the saxophone heavy. stuff. Um it, the way she, you know, she always has a very specific way of writing songs and they're always kind of creepy yeah. and dark and dark. Yeah. But, and sometimes political too. Oh yeah. And this whole album was political. This was, I was listening to another podcast where they described it as she's basically like a news reporter writing an album. For oh you. yeah. Cause yeah. you know, there's Kosovo in it. There's Washington DC in it. There's all these different places she traveled to and she's just singing about, the good things and the bad things she sees in all these yeah. places. So it, it's a huge album, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Um, a couple other albums that I can't say, I don't know if they're really on my list, but I find them interesting because I'm still trying to digest them. The Jim James, I keep trying to give it, <laughs> give a chance. I feel the same way about you it. You know, so. And I'm a big, you know, My Morning Jacket Jim James fan. Yeah. And I really liked his first solo album, the Regions, Region of Regions of Light, and uh-huh. and something of God, something like yeah. that. I can't remember the whole title. Yeah. But I really enjoyed that album a lot. This one has, has I don't know, it hasn't hooked me. Yeah, I'm just waiting. And, so and it's a really slow burn of an album it from is. what I've heard. So. It is. Um, that one and like the Leonard Cohen is like that too. I haven't heard it enough to even <laughs> yeah. Well, you I know. mean, slow burn for Leonard Cohen. That's just, that's par for course yeah. with that man. Um, drive by truckers, just because right. it's a drive by truckers and it's Fucking a great rock and album. Roll, man. Some it's rock and roll. Rock and it might roll. be the more, um, 
adult truckers, like the grown up truckers a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it's still great. Obviously the Bob Weir we'll get the gimmies out of the way. <laughs> the Bob Weir surprised me a lot for it being such a folksy, you know, sitting around heard, the you're campfire. You're the first person I've heard that would put it on like a year end list. Granted, I know you're a bit biased. Yeah. You host a right. dead show every week. <laughs> yeah. But but do you do you strongly feel like it, it should be on the year end list? I think so, just for the Maybe fact. Maybe top 20, 30, something like that. Yeah, top 30, top yeah. 40. It's um, so outside of the Grateful Dead. This is just songwriting. Right. Three, four, five-minute tunes. You know, very little jamming. It's all so folksy. And the band, you know, it's got the dude from the National. Uh, oh, yeah. And the band playing and uh, Which, all the songs. I guess that has to do with the, the Day of the Dead thing that yeah. they did. Yeah, Did that come out in 2016 it or did. 2015? Yeah. That was kind of disappointing yeah. for me, honestly. There, there's some like big hits, but, Too uh, much. but a lot of Too power. Much. Um, but Josh Ritter wrote a lot of the songs with Weir. Okay. And Weir did the music. So it's an interesting project and definitely worth a listen. And on the same folksy country front, Sturgill. Sturgill. You know, that was... Made a splash in more ways than one. <laughs> it's a nice, you, it's a nice you one. You like that? Yeah, made a splash with Sailor's Guide to Earth. Uh-huh. I, I know you struggled with it a lot, and you're probably still, still struggling I'm with still it. I'm still struggling. Um, to me, that album, if, if I'm going to go all in on a country album, or whatever you want to call it. It's not even really country. I think we're only calling it country because of his voice. Yeah. Everything else is completely out of bounds of country. Um, but somebody like him or Isbel, I kind of put them in the same category for the kind of music they write. It's not really country no. in the in the, in the the sense of what we think of country right yeah. now. Yeah, It's more experimental and like, you know, it, it reminds me of the band. Like the way the band worked where... Yeah. They didn't care so much about form. Like, it didn't have to be a certain form for it to be a good song. You know, they could do something like Up on Cripple Creek, but they could also do something like, um, uh, what, give me give me one of their, like, what's the carnival song? What am I oh, yeah, Life is a Carnival. Life is a Carnival. They could do something like that, yep. or Stage Fright, even, that right. are songs that are, like, completely different Some genres. Of big organ. Right. Pounding. But yet it still carries that, I don't know, the song structure is still very like storyteller yeah. and and rootsy. And I think that Sturgill, Sturgill and Isabel can both do that as well inside of a million different genres, which is what Sturgill really did with Sayo's God to Earth. It's prog rock yeah. country. It is, Which yeah. is something you never think you'd ever say. No. I mean, it's... <laughs> Emerson Lake and country, basically like it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense at all. Right. But it works really well to me. Um, It does. You know, I I know my wife, when we both, when the album first came out, me and my wife will listen to it together in the car and she didn't really care for it at all. She did. She thought the lyrics were kind of weird and creepy. Yeah. Cause she didn't, she didn't know the backstory that he's kind of singing it to his son. Right. And the album is a story arc of him talking to his son while he's either on tour or while his son's young telling him stories about you know his life and things like that i thought that was really interesting and unique something that 
why don't country people do that more often? Why don't they take a, a story arc or take a, um, I mean, I guess they did it with like the outlaws and stuff like that. Redheaded stranger. Right. Why, why not take a story and flesh it out on your album or, or make it a concept album? Why not do that? There's no reason yeah. country can't, you know, I heard in this, I won't stray too much away from 2016, but speaking of country and story songs and kind of creepy, I've heard it a million times, but the song "The High High Women" by the High Women. Yeah, what a strange tune. <laughs> you know, I yeah. like listen to that's it. That's what I meant, High Women. That's what I was thinking the yeah. other day, and then I had to listen to it again about each one of them telling their death, <laughs> yeah. but they will always be around. Yeah, I mean that. It's creepy. It, it really is. is. But, but that that was mid '80s country, right? Right. And basically, you know, Johnny Cash was flipping the bird again, going, "You know what? Screw you!" And it's it's edgy. It's pushing it forward. Oh, it's yeah. it's not staying stuck in the constraints of everything that's come before it, which is what I think Sturgill did. I don't think yeah. he gave a shit about trying to sound like modern country. No. You know, there's there's a small group that are kind of struggling in Nashville right now yeah. to get a foothold. And he's part of that group. And I think eventually Nashville's going to have to conform to them because their brand of whatever it is can only last for so long before people get tired of it. Well, it's like in the 70s with Waylon and Willie and even Billy Joe Shaver. You yeah. know, sooner or later, you have to accept them. True. You know? Very true. But I, I think, and, you know, Sturgill got a Grammy nod. How amazing is that? So, yeah. You know, and and kudos to him for being a Kentucky guy too. That's, that's true. That's another yeah. one that we can be proud of with you know my morning jacket and a few yep. others. Yeah. Um, but that was a big album for me this year. Um, I'm trying to look at my list here. You, you talk about country. Um, one of my favorite albums, and it was considered a country album, is that Margot Price album. Yeah, I love that album. She made a she made a really big splash this year. Yeah, it's just really. I can't remember what late night show she was on, but yeah, she made a huge splash on smart there. smart songwriting, real catchy, almost in a, a Casey Musgraves type, but more, more uh, rock and country. I don't know. I really like that album a lot. I'm trying to look at my list. So, I know Ziggy Pop didn't make hardly any <laughs> year in list. I love post pop depression. Yeah. I still like maybe once a week, um, that one song will pop in my head. The very first track on Post Pop Depression was it Gardenia? Is that what it's called? I think so. I love that song. I need to listen. I love the again. fact that that Josh Homme and all those guys were playing on there with him. I think it it breathed new life in Iggy Pop that he yeah, hadn't had in a while. I think so too. And it was a strong rock record. Um, I, I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was a great album. Um, the Bon Iver album I really enjoyed, 22 yeah, Million. Yeah, that's not bad. I haven't, I've listened to it six or seven times. We, we talked about it on Modern Vinyl Podcast, and uh, one of the guys on there, Mike, said that he thought it was a pretty accessible album. <laughs> and I, I, I had to strongly disagree with him. Yeah. I, I didn't feel, he thought it was accessible for current Bon Iver fans, but I still don't even really see that. I think it's a pretty out there album. Yeah. There's a lot of vocoder. And then he comes out of vocoder midway through the album, then goes back into vocoder at the end of the album. So it's it's a really 
it, to me, it's a tough listen, but I really enjoyed well, it. Especially in the record store. I played it, you know, and <laughs> yeah. I'm like, whoa. There's certain albums that work well in the record right. store, and that's not necessarily no. one that would. No. Um, uh, so but, you got some more on yours? Well, I was going to say another interesting listen, like we're talking about the Bon Iver, was that uh, Les Claypool and Sean Lennon yeah. album. I don't know if it's on my top list, but it's an interesting album. And it's one of those that I still need to listen to. It's like, do I like it? Is it <laughs> what or what do I like about it? Well, you know, Les Claypool, Primus, things like that are always tough to... And the Flying Frog Brigade that he yeah. had for a while. It's it's tough. Well, but the, and that's the thing I appreciate about that stuff. You know, it challenges you as a listener. And it's not just... You know, and speaking of, wasn't another... the wasn't the Faith No More album this year? Didn't their new album come out this year, or was it last year? I think it was last. Was year. Was last? Okay, I that's think. probably why I haven't seen much about yeah. it. Must have been late last year when that came out. Um, the Kate Bush album's not being talked about very much because it just came out yeah. like two weeks ago. Yeah. So there's not a ton of buzz about it, but I can tell you, it is four and a half stars. It's yeah. fantastic. She hasn't missed a beat in how many years it's been since she started performing. I mean, my God, she's like a grandma now. She's <laughs> she's old. You know, like yeah, she's been she around is. a long time. Oh, man. And she's still 70s. doing performance art. And she's, you know, her voice has lowered a bit over the years. Of course, it had to because, sure. my God. Whoa. You know? <laughs> Breaking windows. Yeah, you can't, you can't sing like she done on Wuthering Heights forever. Yeah. So it's lowered. She's got a little bit lower register, but to me, it works better. I'll, I'll say this: um, on the lot, it's a it's a four four or five disc. Yeah, <laughs> like five, four or five record. A lot of K album. It, it's huge. Um, it goes by really quick. To be honest with you, um, you know, I listened to it all in one sitting, and it was yeah. fantastic. Um, but it's her live. It's the music from her live show, so there's a lot of songs that are covers, a few like new arrangements. I have you listened to Hounds of Love very much that album? A little bit, yeah. So do you know the B, the B side to it, the Ninth Wave side? That's like, it's like this huge sequence that. I'll put it this way: none of the hits are on the B side. Right. The yeah. A side's like running up that hill, <laughs> cloud busting, uh, loaded. Uh, uh, Hounds of Love. Um, blues or uh, big sky, yeah. Like the side A is all the hits, side B is this long experimental thing called the ninth wave that is crazy. That it starts with her being stranded in the water and she's singing about that, and then it like goes into this like dream sequence thing, and it's it's <laughs> nuts. But on these on the live album, I think it's better than the B side, the hounds of love, yeah. I think it's, I think it's a, she, she does it better live than on the studio album, which is incredible because that studio album is like stone cold classic. Yeah. You know, there's never been a critical review of that album that said anything but the best about it. I think this live version is better than the studio. And it was done so many decades ago too. Right. Yeah. It's 1985. The fact that. Or even. She's doing it now. So, yeah. And, and you know, her voice sounds great still not missing a beat 
And the cool thing about this album is she incorporates some of her family into it too. Like one of her sons is on there doing some vocal work. Oh, that's cool. And it, it's great. I, I wish I could have seen one of the shows, yeah. but I think she only toured over in sure. England. I don't think yeah. she came over here. I mean, come shocker. On. Come on, Kate, come yeah. over here. We want, we want to see it too. New York, Los Angeles. We, we love you too. Chicago. But, um, to me, it's like top five. For yeah. 2016, and that might be a little bit of a cheat since it's a lot of songs she already has been known well known for, but I, I think it's incredible. It's yeah. incredible to listen, right? And the packaging on the vinyl, my god, yeah, <laughs> five stars for the packaging. And for like 60 bucks retail, I yeah. mean, bang for buck there, you right. get a huge book to, to flip through, yeah, plus it's all in like library binding basically. That's pretty cool. You know, like yeah. you pull the records out and the other thing I really liked about it is every record's in its own sleeve. So even though you pull one section out, it's still sleeved inside uh, of that. Ah, nice. Thank God. Like, come nice. on, that's what you got to do. Yeah. So. When you spend that much. Right. You know. Right. It's well worth it. Yeah. So that's a big one for me. Yeah. Um, I will give a few nods to the new Metallica. Oh, uh, It yeah. came out forgot about hardwired to self-destruct you know this takes me back to my 15 16 year old (laughs) master of puppets days you know they haven't done anything worth a crap in years yeah to me depending on who you ask i know there's a lot of die i'm not the hardcore you know metallica stopped at master for me a lot of people like justice for all death magnetic yes they did um, I was just kind of yeah. like, okay, but you're talking, I mean, you're talking to me. I don't like the black album. Yeah. So, and this is, and you know, I don't even think Metallica is necessarily for me and you no. to be honest. No, I was pleasantly surprised when I listened to it. And that says a lot. Yeah, it really does. Especially after St. Anger. Yeah, exactly. Um, neither one of us really, I listened to a good bit of it but not as much as I should but I put Tribe Called Quest on my list yeah because I really enjoyed what I have listened to of, of yes it. I haven't listened to it I've listened to it two or three times yeah I I loved it I mean yeah. and it's one of those where most of the time when you know when a rap group gets back together after a few years oh uh, you're really rolling the dice on yeah. that especially when it's one that's like late 80s early 90s you're really rolling the dice on those guys yeah. uh Man, Tribe came back. Of course, Tribe was always... They've always been top of the game. True. They're like, like the roots. You exactly. Know. I mean, they're always at the top of the rap game. But this, to me, this album was great. And especially their Silent Live performance. That was yeah. impeccable. Yes. Yeah. So I've got that on my list. As well as Radiohead. I've got that on my list, too. Even yeah. though there's some... To me, there's some big hits on there, but a lot of misses on the Radiohead. Yeah. Two albums that came out that I was kind of disappointed in... And I feel like I could probably be critical on one of them is that Bob Dylan Fallen Angels. Yeah, it just I was fell <laughs> by the wayside. I couldn't remember if that came out this year. I or think not. it was this year. Was it? I think maybe so. you're just still so disappointed. Maybe, but he toured on it enough. Yeah, um, you know, it's one album of Sinatra esque tunes is fine. Yeah. Two albums, a little excessive, but it's Dylan. You know, he did two Christian albums. My almost God. two and a half. Uh, uh, didn't he do more than two Christian albums? I mean, Down the Flood, Saved. What's after Saved? Uh, Scott, 
got to serve somebody. Or slow train coming. Slow train saved. Oh, sorry. Shot, yeah, slow train. Shot of love. Those, maybe half no, of it. No, shot of love is, is all half Christian. Of it. Lenny Bruce isn't Christian. Um, well, That's Lenny Bruce there. isn't Christian, but like, <laughs> I know what you're saying. Uh, but I, I say two and a half. You know, I need a shot of love. Man. <laughs> I don't need a shot of heroin. Yeah, exactly. Um, that one, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Did you listen to that album? Didn't even listen to it. Yeah. That was this year? Yeah, The Getaway. Was it? I didn't even listen Pretty to sure it. Pretty sure it was. Well, okay, if it's 2015, it was a bad album in 2015. <laughs> it's so bad album for 2015. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the Chili Peppers aren't aren't targeting me Have we talked either. about the Stones yet? I was saving it for the last. Okay. Sorry, <laughs> I, just, I, totally ruined, I, I, I totally ruined your moment there. No, I just wanted to wait until, um, you know, after, I guess, smashing one of my one of my top ones, Dylan, and then the Chili yeah. Peppers. Um, yeah, the new Stones album. You're in love with it. I love it. I was totally shocked. Now, I'm going to ask this question because I think this is one that needs to be asked. Do we like it so much just because their output's been so bad for the last how many years? Well, does that is does that make it that much sweeter that this one's good? Is that why we like the David Bowie that much? Well, no. I actually did really like the last Bowie. I like Next Day. I didn't like it as much oh, as Black I Star. About Next Day. I, I didn't like it as much as Black Star. Granted, but I thought Next Day was a good. But. Voodoo Lounge was a really good Stones album, so that's the same as next <laughs> I need day. You to pour me some more of that, some more of that maple. Have you Jesus. listened to Voodoo Lounge though? You know, uh, your friend that we were just talking about, what's her name? Uh, was at the party there, and I am. Oh, Beth. Again. Beth. Yeah. No, she gave me Steel Wheels. She came into the shop and handed me the Steel <laughs> Wheels CD and told me I need to listen to it again because I told her it wasn't any good. It sounds a little dated at times. It had a few good songs on it. With most Stones albums from Steel Wheels on, you could pick three Maybe. great tunes off each Maybe. one of them. Maybe. Sometimes you struggle to do three. Their output has just been really, really spotty for the last... since the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just to be honest, like... I don't know. I... But well, this album's good. From what I've, I haven't heard the whole thing yet. The bits that I've heard, listen to Mick play harmonica like a like a bat out of hell is great. Yeah, you know it's. Thank God they're at least getting back well, to playing again. Here's the great thing about it. It's like okay, fifty years ago, yeah. the Stones started by it being influenced by blues albums, right? Big Bill Brunzi, uh Magic Sam. You know, Muddy Waters, all that stuff. Yeah. So that 50 years ago, that's what they were influenced by and started playing. So now, 50 years later, you know, it's almost like they're not reinventing themselves or going back to their roots. It's just present-day Stones doing what they love, but also a nod back to how they started. Right. And they didn't really supposedly plan to do... A blues album. It was more right. playing songs to warm up, and then Don was, who has the magic touch, pretty <laughs> much, you know, 
says, man, do a blues album. This is great stuff. And so, yeah, I, I think I'd read that they were, they were kicking around trying to write some new songs yeah. for like a new album, but it just wasn't, just wasn't happening. Yeah. They weren't not feeling it. Yeah. They weren't feeling it. So this result, I think it's great. It just came out. It's fresh. Um, can't keep it in stock. Can't I mean, keep it in stock. it's just flying off the shelves. It's a surprise record, seller. Record shop, yeah. And for people have been asking for it for weeks. The holiday season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's already got the nice festive blue color on the front. It's true, so. it does. All you need is a little red red ribbon around it, and you're all set. Right. <laughs> it's just like Christmas. Put a bow on it. So, with that being said, that's kind of our top, top beers, top albums. Yeah. Everything for 2016. And I think we're going to stop the live... The live... Uh, pub crawl i think yeah. i think we're gonna we're gonna put a bow on that as well right i think it's time to move on to a new yeah a new topic the live one's been a little tough to be honest with it's you. it's hard it is hard. i thought it would be really easy until we got into it and i was like man we could do we could do a podcast on the new stones they recorded it live you're <laughs> <laughs> that would only be the like 11th stones album. we should just do we should do only live albums that sound like they're in a studio so we'll do the stones we'll do that joe jackson album kiss alive 2 was recorded uh essentially in a practice hall i oh, think man. we haven't we have we've never done a kiss album <laughs> right. and i want to try to keep it that way if we can i don't want to turn this into the, kiss the detroit Vegas rock city cast is not year. what i want this to turn into oh boy yeah your uh, your eighties roots are starting to show here, Matt. Eighties? That's seventies. Well, me. you like Kiss more in the eighties than the seventies. Well, I started yeah. listening to him in seventy-seven. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I'm fair enough. Starting to date myself. Yeah, Saw him in seventy-nine. Yeah. <laughs> what's that spell? Yeah. Oh, Mom, Dad, what's that spell? <laughs> this has been the. Young Matt learns what drugs are. Podcast. It was Kiss, nineteen seventy nine, and a young Matt Pfefferkorn, <laughs> accompanied by his parents. Yep. Which is that's badass, by the way. Yeah. That's one of my favorite stories you right. always tell: is your parents taking you to Kiss. Yeah. That's like the total opposite of what most parents were doing at the time. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you probably didn't see any of your schoolmates there with their parents. No. Right. Nope. So. We're going to end this 2016 <laughs> podcast on, on stories about Matt and Kiss. I think that's a good way to end it. Sure. Anything else you want to add to the live, the like the live vinyl crawl? Like Oh, the live vinyl crawl. Um, was there any live albums that you really wanted to get to that we didn't get to? UFO, Strangers in the Night. <laughs> um, Man, Finn I w- Lizzie, Live and Dangerous. You know, we never did Live and Dangerous. That's a great live album. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. It's possibly one of the best live albums of the 70s yeah it's a good one or did it come out in the 80s no it was 70s was it okay yeah yeah i love that one too yeah we probably should have done that we can always do it later we'll do it on another crawl yeah for sure we'll do it live (laughs) we'll do it live (laughs) so i just want to say thanks for listening and uh appreciate you guys yeah great it's been Um, a good year drop us a line or email us and let us know what you think hit us up on twitter hit me up on twitter i'm at Mueller underscore time, M-E-E-L-E-R. Matt is, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, at the Mellow Matt. The Mellow Matt. 
Yes. Not to be confused with at Mellow Matt because right. that's not him. He Mellow is Matt the was Mellow taken, Matt. so we got to step up. Mellow Matt.